welcome to another episode of Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. I'm Ty Turley, and we've moved to the next level technologically, and I'm confused. Here we are at our 102nd episode, and it's really new new age stuff on GarageBand. <laughs> what did, well, what did you record on before? Voice memos. <laughs> okay. We were so classy. We have a fancy microphone and a fancy computer. <laughs> Uh, this this week we're going to be talking about the Netflix Jane Campion movie Power of the Dog. Mm. But before we get to that, Ty, what is your sort of neo-Western movie of choice? Yeah, Reed asked me to think of a neo-Western movie, and I was, my first thought was, what's a neo-Western? New Western. <laughs> okay, but I knew the answer anyway, Oh, which is a movie called Western. I don't know that one. It's a Czech movie. It's so good. It's so good. It's one of my favorite movies ever. And it, what are you laughing at? And and uh, it's takes place in Czech Republic, of course, in a small town. But it's structured after a classical Western, and obviously it's called Western. And it's about the Western influence in Eastern Europe because it's about a German company that comes into this Czech town to extract resources. And it's so it's it's got it's operating on multiple levels. Got a lot of meaning, but it follows the structure of a, a typical Western film intentionally. I think you might have done a better neo-Western than I than me. So good choice. Yeah, uh, it's very new Western. Yeah, mine's Hostiles. Well, that's a traditional Western. I don't think so. Why? Uh, the Indians are heroes. They're sympathetic. It's, I don't know, told differently. But there's no, I mean, Christian Bale's still the hero. Our listeners will never know what we really thought about it. <laughs> I love the movie in my mind. It's great. Because we lost our podcast of it. Can't take can't take Hostiles away from me. All right. You can have Hostiles. Uh, it's a great film. Yes. Maybe not a neo-Western. I should have just said Western. We don't even know what a neo-Western means, so it's fine. <laughs> you can say it. Genre bending. Uh, so let's jump into The Power of the Dog. Have you... Are you a Jane Campion... Fan? No, I mean, I've never seen The Piano. I watched it after watching Power of the Dog. Okay, so I know. Is she famous for something else? Top of the Lake was like a show with Elizabeth Olsen. No. The Handmaid. Elizabeth Moss. Elizabeth Moss, yeah. I didn't watch that either. I wanted to for a while. It was on my queue. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I guess I, that's, I have very limited connection with her. Yeah. So I, I have friends that love The Piano. It's like their favorite movie. Those are some weird people. <laughs> well, they're women. I don't know. It's a, it's a woman. The story about a woman who plays the piano. Or am I wrong? No, she's. Yeah, she doesn't talk at all. Really likes to play the piano, and then falls in love with her don't intended husband. Don't spoil it. Okay, you're gonna watch it. Yeah, maybe. Okay, throwback. Are you okay? Maybe. <laughs> are you a Jane Campion fan? I think I am. I mean, I think I liked this movie. I liked Top of the Lake. I liked The Piano. But I don't think I know so much about Jane Campion. Okay. Well, I'm open. I like this movie a lot. Did you think, I don't know, are you more engaged by the acting or the story or the setting? Well, I, I knew, I hate it when I read about movies before because I knew that it was filmed in New Zealand instead of Montana. And yeah. I was just thinking about that the whole time. I wish, I wish I didn't know that, and I could have just. I mean, it's fine. I don't think. Yeah, New Zealand's beautiful. Montana's beautiful. 
I don't think one's better than the other, but I just was thinking about it, unfortunately. You can um, tell the difference. No, I don't. No, I can't tell the difference. Me neither. <laughs> exactly. So I, if I didn't know that fact, I could have just relaxed and enjoyed the whatever the story. Um, I mean, the, the story. Yeah, the story. I didn't read the book, obviously, or not. Did you? Nope. Yeah, I, I think it's a interesting story. I don't know if I understand the moral of it very well, um, which is not necessarily bad. But uh, I think it's just interesting to bring in the the sort of grooming of a younger sexual target, you know? That's not my favorite storyline to watch. Uh, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Not enjoyable. Yeah, it's definitely uh, uncomfortable and intentionally meant to be uncomfortable, I'm sure. And then the revenge of killing him. Not really for the grooming, though, right? It's more for the what he did to his mother. That's how he makes his mom feel, for sure. Yeah, because it has that amazing... I mean, the thing I really liked about it was it has that voiceover at the very beginning by the son that you don't, you don't know who's saying it at that time. And it's this message of what kind of a son would a would not help his mother, and then but you're like what that who said it what does it have to do with it and then you really need that quote by the end of it, um, you need that quote to understand what happened. I don't know. I really like that aspect of it. I don't. That's weird. I don't even remember the quote. Yeah, you should. Yeah, watch it again or just watch the first minute <laughs> and you'll see and you'll see that he says something like what what kind of son wouldn't take care of his mother, which. I think it's a little bit ambiguous who what was intentional at the end, a little bit. Um, but I think combined with that quote, it becomes very clear, oh, he was... Really? I thought it was not ambiguous at all. He went out, he found a cow that had sickness with his gloves on and brought that leather back. And then he you know, says, oh, no, I have these strips of leather. I, there are still some like plot conveniences that happen, like... The mom giving away all the other hides to the uh, Native Americans. The fact that he cut his hand before he went to make the rest of that, you know, leather rope. Like, if those things hadn't all happened, I don't know if the boy's plan would have worked. Well, okay, I think there's some more ambiguity. I don't, I don't know if he had the plan necessarily when he went to dissect the cow. I think he's just. I think it's established that he likes look at inside of bodies because he does it to the rabbit. So he's just interested from a medical perspective of looking at the cow. And then I, I, in my mind, it doesn't need to be the case that he already knew that he was going to use those contaminated gloves later. I think maybe later he sees an opportunity when, when um, they're preparing the new leather. Uh, yeah, I guess I, we, we, we just interpreted it differently. I thought his actions were purposeful and kind but, of empowering, like, it, like he took control. But how could he have been sure that his hand would have been cut? Right. That's the thing I didn't like, that you just don't know about that sort of stuff. But even if his hand hadn't been cut, and they so they, they established you have to stay far away from those cows. Like, don't get anywhere near them. No, I think it has to get into your blood. But, no, I, well, we could look it up, but... Yeah, I don't know. Because, because he was able to go up to the cow and dissect it. But he was wearing gloves. Right. So it has to get on your... Okay, at the very least, it has to get on your skin. Right. What was he going to do? Like Benedict Cumberbatch wasn't wearing gloves when he was making the rope. This is such a little thing. I, don't, I, mean, I don't know if it totally matters. <laughs> I think I'm right, though, but whatever. Well, let us know, <laughs> listeners, how right Reed is. How does anthrax work? 
He cut his hand. The kid sees an opportunity. I mean, I, the, the ambiguity to me wasn't necessarily that he was trying to kill him. The ambiguity to me was, what's he doing it for? Is he doing it to avenge his mother or protect his mother from going further crazy? Or was he doing it because this guy's grooming him and he didn't want to be groomed? Well, do you think that character was homosexual, the boy? Um, I don't know. I mean, it never establishes it for sure. Yeah. I think, I think, I think now, I don't know. I mean, obviously it's really hard to interpret the story from that time in today's, with today's understanding, right? But he, uh, he's definitely effeminate, which at that time he would have been treated. He was treated by everyone as, as gay. And yeah, I mean, awfully, like they were rude to him. They were mean. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I could imagine worse. It could have been worse. You know, he wasn't killed for it. And I I was surprised how little pushback, or at least they don't show any pushback that Benedict Cumberbatch's character gets from his other men for taking this kid under his wing. Like, are they talking about it behind his back, saying, what's our, what's our boss doing? Why is he messing around with this kid? You never hear that. Well, and what does everyone know about the great writer that's dead? You know, it was like... The mentor. Who definitely groomed Benedict Cumberbatch. Sounds like it. <laughs> we don't know. And that's a pretty, no, we do know. I think I think it's clear that he that's did. a pretty surprising turn in the movie, right? Where yes, he follows him and he's like bathing in the stream naked and using the scarf of the mentor. Yeah, I was shocked. Yeah, it's weird. I mean, <laughs> it's unexpected. It, it makes it. I feel like there's a subgenre of western movies that now are coming out or have come out that are about. Uh, homosexuality, right? It must have been... I, I mean, I don't know what it was like back then. That was a theme that came up a lot in cowboy life. They were alone on the plains a lot. I don't know. Yeah. I think we've... I think we've <laughs> got as far as we can go We've reached that. the limits of what we know. <laughs> but I uh, think... Uh, I think it was... With the quote... The quote... Anyway, it was satisfying to me to hear the quote again in my mind and seeing how it played out. I really liked the dynamic between the two brothers and how, um, you know, it's Benedict Cumberbatch who went to Yale and was good at the, you know, at cowboying and his brother was the kind of the dropout. I can't remember exactly how he says it, but like. Too dumb to go to college. Is what they said. Yeah. But wants it so bad, wants to be, you know, at dinners with the governor, but is so bad at it. Well, I, I think it's weird that they that they are okay with the division of labor that they have because the one brother does all the work, it seems like. Yeah. And the other brother is kind of useless and and yet they're you know, sharing the profits and when the when Jesse Plemons' brother gets married, you know, he's he's as rich as the whole family. They're gonna split it evenly, it seems like. But with Benedict Cumberbatch dead, I don't think that ranch is long for the world in that family. Maybe the son, this new son. Well, he's pretty clever. Yeah. Uh, maybe he'll save it. Power of the dog, too? <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> I love I loved, you asked what I like, too, and I love the acting. I mean, Jesse Plemons is not my favorite actor, but I thought he was very good in this role. 
And then Benedict Cumberbatch was better than, I usually think he's very weird and I don't get the fascination with him that most people have, but I thought he was very uh, good in this one. I, I don't know if I fully understand why he's so angry. Is it, is it the repressed sexuality? Is it that he's not, his life is a failure and he thought he'd be somewhere else after going to Yale? I don't know. No, I think he was where he wanted to be, but just, yeah, couldn't have a relationship like his brother got to have. I, I would guess it's jealousy. Yeah, interesting. Okay, what would you rate Power of the Dog out of five? Wait, I have oh, to say one more thing. Got to. Yeah. You could have. <laughs> well, I am now. <laughs> yeah. The music's so good in it, and it's by Johnny Greenwood, and uh, I listened to the end of the credits just because I wanted to be able to hear it more. I mean, I love the music so much. I would watch it again just to hear the music. I think it should win Best Soundtrack. Do you ever listen to movie soundtracks? Like, just... To relax or... No, almost never. Okay. <laughs> but this one is good, just in the context of the movie. Well, what do you mean? Are you are you saying my opinion doesn't matter because I don't listen to soundtracks? No, I'm just like, how good is it? Well, what do you think? You thought it was fine? I mean, I listen to soundtracks during movies <laughs> and evaluate if they help or not. And this one did, I thought. I thought it added a lot of weird tension. I thought it perfectly complimented the pictures. I think that's a good balance then where it doesn't take you out of it. It just adds. Okay. So geez, what? my ability to, to discern is being questioned. No, yeah, I know you're perceptive. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Now Ty, what are you going to rate the power of the dog out of five? I'm going to give it a four. Okay. So it could have been more, more mm. beautiful, better acting. More tension. <laughs> no, to me, just the the tension in the story comes from what feels like a little bit of a cliche at this point. Okay. Maybe, maybe that's a good sign that there's been so many films about that, but I don't know. I just felt like, yeah, a little cliched. I really don't mean to question you. You're No, I'm always ready. Yeah, good. To defend. Not me. Don't ever question. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, I'm going to give this a five. I think of movies I've seen definitely this year and one of the better ones. Okay. Good. Good. <laughs> what else do you have to recommend for our, our listeners, Ty? Well, I've gotten back into the good doctor. <laughs> Does that one count? Gosh, I don't know. I don't mean to judge, but you are though. So how do much... you watch foreign independent films and The Good Doctor? The Good Doctor is so nice. He's he's overcome so much. He's so good. It this he's so good. This season has not been quite well. There, there's like a weird tension in it from a new owner of the hospital. Anyway, I I think it's good. Okay, that's good. For me, I'm going to recommend the sports documentary series um, F1 Drive to Survive. I don't watch Formula One racing at all. I don't really understand it, but the conflict, the team dynamic, the inside look, the interviews with some of the team like managers are so interesting, pretty compelling. Where is it on? Where do you watch it? Uh, it's on Netflix. It's a Netflix produced. They've had three seasons. They followed the last three seasons of F1 racing. So you start, you know, from the beginning and uh, just this, Kind of world of, I don't understand how, I mean, it's super popular, is just it, outside of America, I think. Yeah. Well, you understand the sport, right? Like, the first one over the line wins? 
Yes, I understand <laughs> how races work. Okay, good. Well, you said you didn't understand. Well, it's actually they're always they're all like there's a set miles that they never go over, and so it's like whoever can do the most or finish within like two. I don't know. There's some weird time versus kilometers thing. It is confusing. So the races are never over two and a half hours. That's what's kind of nice. They're short. Okay. All right. I mean, I've never watched a race. I have no idea. Right. I get, I'm understanding. It also, based on the series, seems like whatever position you get in the first lap is kind of where you finish. <laughs> right. <laughs> I'm not going to say it makes the sport superfluous, but maybe. They could cut down the laps. Or just have the, the sport be who the qualifying. Whatever. Yeah. So that's it. F1, Drive to Survive. All right. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Two Brothers Review, the podcast. I'm Reed Turley. Reed must be applying his F1 skills to our podcast with this new tech. <laughs> so I'm, fancy. So fancy. I'm Ty. Bye. Bye. Bye.